When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You've let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon began taking a look back at last night's Carabao Cup action in a rematch of last season's final, Newcastle managed revenge against Manchester United, sweeping them aside at Old Trafford. Is it now getting desperate for the Red Devils? Meantime, have the PFA failed to read the room once again, with Chief Executive Maheta Malango taking a sizable pay rise? Plus, light welterweight challenger Jack Cattrall joined us in studio as he looked ahead to his next challenge in his career. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, while you were listening to Mr Jordan Peterson at the O2, uh, I was in front of my telly watching Manchester United being taken apart by Newcastle United. So, holders put out by the finalists of the Carabao Cup in February. Newcastle were brilliant. Simon, they're fans. I know I go on about them, but I think they are so special, those Newcastle United fans. Travelling in massive numbers, about 8,000 of them made the trip to Old Trafford. Some of them bare-chested. That's another matter. But they are characters. They are the, the, the 12th man whenever Eddie and the boys need them. And they're there for them. But the story, of course is Manchester United. Are things beginning to move into the desperate territory now for Ten Hag? I mean, are the players, I said in the introduction, are the players about to win again, Simon, and dumping another manager? Um, I don't know if the players are about to win or if indeed the players are trying to win either on the field or off the field. I would suspect that as professional footballers, they're, they're attempting to win games. He's not got their attention and he needs to get it. Yeah. And that's the focus of a manager. I was listening to Alan Pardew talking to Alan Brazil this morning about the the idea of going to the players and asking the players if indeed they're with them, which I find a perplexing way of approaching things because ultimately if you ask the players that they're with, they're with you, they're hardly going to say that they're not. Their actions will tell you much louder than their words. Look, sometimes... It's always darkest before the dawn. Sometimes you you don't bounce until you hit the bottom. And maybe it needs to get to this point, not necessarily for Ten Hag to get his walking papers, but for people's minds to be concentrated because they are all over the place at the moment. I mean, even when they're winning, 
they're finding a way to win that doesn't bring much credit upon themselves. Let's have it right. They beat Copenhagen last week. Yeah. But the story was the goalkeeper saves a last-minute penalty. Yes. You yeah. know, and, yeah. and, and Harry Maguire gets them out of jail in terms of scoring a goal. And, of course, people build that as a redemption campaign. I mean, quite frankly, Harry Maguire's job is to be a good defender, not to pop up and score goals. That's an added bonus. But look, they're in a very poor vein of, of form at this moment in time, and they need to snap out of it. Nothing goes on forever, good and bad. And if he continues to lose games the way that he is losing games, mm. then of course he's going to lose his job. Well, I mean, he says for one, don't worry about me, I am a fighter. This was Ten Hag. I, I'm a fighter. And um, I know it's not always going uh, going up. We have a lot of setback, setbacks this season so far. But also there you have to deal with it. And there is never an excuse. And I, I've said it before. And I know when there are setbacks, then the routines in the way of play are not... Uh, are not similar, are not the same, but even then you have to get the results in. Obviously, Sunday tonight wasn't far from that. So we have to do things uh, right and at a certain level, at a minimum level to win games. Here's the thing, Simon. Yeah. And, and, and I, there's nobody better than you to ask him this because you've employed managers. You knew what you wanted every time you employed one. Serial winners like Mourinho, club legends yeah. like Solskjaer, disciplinarians, um, Van Gaal maybe, yeah. have all come and gone and they failed. What kind of manager is going to buck the trend and succeed at Old Trafford? But you also have to look at these, each one of these individuals in the rounds, right, in isolation and work out what was going on at Manchester United at the time to determine why these situations and these choices were made. Because when you read off that list of well-heeled managers, you know, you say to yourself, well, how can it not have been something that... all? How can all of these guys have suffered it? Yeah. But then you look at Mourinho and you say to yourself, Mourinho wasn't the Mourinho that we knew before. Mourinho had personal issues. That, you know, his, I think his father wasn't very well. Also, at the same time, he wasn't committing himself. He was staying in a hotel in Manchester and the Lowry and commuting back and forth from London. So he wasn't exhibiting the same sort of traits that you think he wanted to do. Van Hal didn't gel with the media. And all of a sudden, a guy that wins an FA Cup is walking out the door holding the <laughs> FA Cup while getting sacked as he walked yes, out the door. Exactly. Moyes was given no chance because Moyes comes out of Everton. You know, everybody knew that the chalice that was going to follow, the poison chalice that potentially follows the Alex Ferguson re regime was going to follow. And of course, then you've got United players. The rumour goes around that, you know, Moyes is trying to employ a certain set of standards and he's being told by senior figures at the, on playing staff, right. you know, that's maybe may may you do it at Everton, but it's not the way you do it here. So yeah. there's a culture battle. Yeah. Then you look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and you say to yourself, well, okay, nobody can price that one in. Sorry, I know people think that I'm, I'm singling out this fella, but this is the world's biggest football club, or close to it. You don't employ peripheral figures that ultimately make you feel good in the dressing room for five minutes and win a couple of games when you're the world's biggest football club trying to achieve things. Right. And here you land on Ten, ten Hag. And Ten Hag comes in with, with, with challenges. You've got Ibrahimovic talking about the big-name players that he will not have managed in terms of his experience and the culture of a football club like Ajax that comes with huge focus but not the focus and expectation and the erosion and the constant attention that Manchester United have and all of those things. Now, his disciplinarian approach, you've now got a narrative being peddled out that he hasn't treated Harry Maguire very well. Well, you know, this is a man trying to lead by definite decision-making <laughs> process. He doesn't think Maguire's been, very, yeah. been good enough, so he drops him. And all of a sudden, certain sections of the media are peddling out that Maguire's not being treated and it's an example of how Ten Hag doesn't have the jurisdiction. Well, he had the jurisdiction. He had the balls to drop 
the club capped him because he didn't think he was good enough. Now, the tragedy for that is, is the results haven't followed. Yeah. And so the people that he's put in his place, that he's signed, he cannot have fallen out with the players that he signed. He cannot have brought players in specifically for him that he wants to play in a certain way that he's had a relationship with previously that are falling out with him. There's still a bedrock of players in that football club, with due respect to the anti-marshals of the marshals of the world, that have let down other managers. Of course, yes. and that's yes. the cult. You've got to get yeah. them all out, and yeah. you've got to rebuild from a premise of everybody buying into the manager. Now, of course, you've got to get results at the same time. So he's in this situation where. He can't he can't buy a pound for a fiver right now because whatever he does he gets it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't and he doesn't like you know I made the observation a year ago and I'm going to stand by it about the big man a small man in a big suit because it wasn't designed to be about what he's wearing it's designed to be about the presence and the look and feel and substance of this yeah. man. Yeah. And I don't f- think and people are coming around to this school of thought and now people are coming around to it more frequently because it's easy to see once the vision's arrived that maybe this guy doesn't have the chops. You you think the foundations are are, are there though? Do you you, th- you well, the still found, think the foundations, time in ten high? Fa- this, well, I think they're going to say they're roundly beaten on Saturday lunchtime by Fulham. Well, say they're roundly beaten unless you understand the workings of the minds of Manchester United's board, and I don't think they understand it. Sometimes, you know, Richard Arnold doesn't seem to understand certain things, and the Glazers don't really care that much. And I'm not suggesting that's a good or a bad thing. That's because they devolve authority on a daily basis to Richard Arnold. It's a Arnold. dreadful thing. Well, I, 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 if okay. that's the case. Well, well, let me ask horrendous. you a question. I would imagine that Sheikh Mansour doesn't wake up in the morning thinking about Man City and going to bed at night thinking about Man City. He's devolved. Yeah, but he's that, put the right structure in well, place to my make point. sure they succeed. He's devolved the authority to those. The that, he's devolved the authority yeah. to those that make the right decisions. Yeah. Right. And you can't argue that Woodward made the right decisions commercially, but as far as the football infrastructure, clearly it's not good enough. Well, Simon, many people think Ten Hag's done. Many people think he's all but done. If he is. What model of manager is going to succeed here at this club that we seem to be talking about on a daily basis? Well, timing is, is it's again, it's timing is everything. You know, you get managers at the right time. Tottenham Hotspur, you would have thought, on paper, got the right manager in Antonio Conte. They didn't. They got the right manager at the wrong time. They needed somebody with a culture to change the culture, but he wasn't inclusive. Now, all of a sudden, out of the ether comes an Australian that's had, that's you know, cut his teeth in Scottish football, comes into English football, wants to manage Tottenham Hotspur, and all of a sudden, Tottenham Hotspur sit on top of the league. Now, I don't suggest they're going to stay there, but even people like Arsene Wenger are saying, price these guys in the conversation. Yeah. So I think it's a lot to do with the timing of the manager that you get, where they are in their career, yeah. what their career path is. You look at people like Ancelotti coming into Everton. I always thought that that was a marriage made in hell because I thought he was doing Everton a favour. But someone like Ancelotti, I'm not suggesting Ancelotti because he's at Real Madrid, but he's the kind of cachet kudos and currency and potential uh, ideology that would suit a Manchester United of the, of the world because he's not your typical dictatorial Italian. He's quite a pragmatic one that has a, a, a certain relationship with players which is different. But Ten Hag is still in situ, and I don't like writing managers off and starting the no, sack, I know sack that. race. To be fair, I know that. But if he keeps on losing yeah. losing games the way he is, then it will be taken out of his hands. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Newcastle, Simon, went to Old Trafford and won. I mean, they're loving life at the moment, Newcastle United fans. Here's the thing. They win 3-0 last night, Simon. Arsenal come calling this weekend. If Newcastle finish outside the top four, but they land a trophy like the Carabao Cup, would that constitute success for Eddie? If they're top six and the Carabao Cup, say, yeah, 
that would be success or would it be? Because you're on record as saying Eddie won't win the big bobbles, if you like. Yeah, well, I, I think the promised land in the minds, uh, must be of the owners, is the same direction of travel that Manchester City have gone, gone on. You know, the Saudis are, are not coming to participate. They're coming to win in everything that they do. And obviously it's sports job to try and manage that at the same time as not detract from the existing structure that's in, in place. So I would suggest, and it's not for me to say, because last year I talked about West Ham fans when they were looking in the in, in, into the eyes of a relegation battle, I suggested that West Ham fans would be less happy with a European trophy and a relegation to playing in the championship away to Bristol City than they would be if... Uh, if uh, if they if they you know if they were staying in the Premier League yeah, yeah. and they got told off you know by West Ham fans I didn't know what I was talking about so only Newcastle fans can answer that question whether dropping out of the top four given the fact they've been there and winning the the tournament that is the fourth valuable most valuable tournament in English football in terms of uh, of domestic or third in terms of FA Cup League Cup and, and Premier League in in, in the order of Premier League but does FA it put Cup, League Cup in the next rung of the ladder that the Saudis no. are looking for them to start climbing well yes if, if, if whatever Newcastle win is something they haven't won um, in terms of, of the last 50 years and, and, yeah. and beyond. Yeah. So you look at that and say, if Newcastle bring back one of the one of the significant recognisable trophies, like the League Cup, does it do something for them? Well, you know, did it do something for Swansea? Does it do something for many clubs that have won the League Cup? But it's something that people can lay claim to. It's something that you can build from. Yeah. My argument, and it's not seated in absolute... I'm doubling down on it, but my belief system tells me that Newcastle will go on a journey. Eddie Howe will be a wonderful part of that journey, but like other football clubs that have required gatekeepers to get you to different waypoints and different benchmarks, Eddie Howe may be one of those. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm happy to happy to back down from that. To win the Premier League takes a unique kind of manager, and there ain't many of them about. Now, he's proving to be a unique manager for Newcastle because that bar hasn't been set very high recently, with all due respect to those that occupied that seat, because perhaps they haven't had the opportunity yeah. or they haven't had the environment. Yeah. This fella has both. So we will see. But the bottom line is, if Newcastle were to finish outside the top six, in my view, which is the question that you asked, uh, sorry, outside the top four, inside the top six, and won a League Cup, would they have done a decent turnaround? I think yes, because yeah. I think it's a remarkable ask to, for yeah. Newcastle to get in the top four again. Well done, David Moyes. Well done, West Ham. Uh, Arsenal last night go to the London Stadium and West Ham win and secure a place in the draw for the quarterfinals. Next up for them, they've got to go to Anfield. Th that happens when it happens. In the meantime, has Moyes now rebuilt his credit and standing, if you like, back to where it was before he went to Manchester United? Well, as you will recall... Uh, in my new uh, approach to writing articles that in involves encouragement and appreciation, um, I wrote an article about David Moyes and the value of David Moyes. Right. And the fact that the David Moyes of 2023 would have been far better equipped to manage the Manchester United of today than the one that managed Manchester United in 2013 because of his experience, because of the circumstances at the football club, and because also because of passage of time has gone. When they came out in 2013 and Moyes walks through the door, it's a God-given right that Man United win the league. 
Now the dial's moved. Now there's a real uh, a bit of play in there that managers can have a little bit less, a bit more tolerance that they don't win the league. I think there's a lot to be praised for David. I think David, as I said in the article two or three weeks ago, is steeped in decency, integrity and authenticity. There's certain people that say that some of the brand of football that he plays isn't the most appealing. And there is a section of West Ham's fan base, a small one, mm. that will have issue about the fact that West Ham aren't the most easy on the eye. But I think it's undoubtable that David Moyes, he went back to a football club that told him that he was a disposable razor. We've, we've shaved with you. You're now blunt. Out you go. We're bringing Pellegrini. He's the A-side of the conversation. And then he comes back. And then in three or se- in three seasons, he takes him into the top six, or, or sorry, seventh in the league. Mm. He takes him um, into a European semi-final. He wins him a European uh, competition. I mean, let's have it right. Whether you look at it in isolation at moments in time when it looked like the wheels are coming off, when you look at the body of the work, he's a man for all seasons. Yeah. And all seasons being, save him relegation in the first season when Pellegrini made a holics of it, put him seventh in the league, get him to win the European semi-final that they got to, win a European competition, and they're going all right this year. I mean, I'm not sure you can say there's too many things wrong there. And he should be given a new contract because his contract runs out this year. So absolutely, David Moyes, after Sociedad and Sunderland saying things and doing things at Sunderland that, that weren't befitting, a Sociedad decision was a bad one because it was the wrong move. Now, if he needed it, he's only 60 years of age. I'm not his PR, but he's only 60 years of age. Mm. West Ham have got a live one there. And there's a lot more right about West Ham than there is wrong. Yeah, of course. And gone are the days when a bunch of them... Uh, at the London Stadium were lined up in front of the directors screaming the odds those Those days have gone you don't hear complaints about the London Stadium anymore no because again like everything else it moves on I'm pretty sure if you want to dig deep enough and I don't think you have to dig too deep there'll be a segment of people in the West Ham um, contingent that don't appreciate David Sullivan because you've got to give Sullivan credit here as well you've got to give Sullivan oh, hang and on got, really then you don't, come on you don't you often got, do that no because you've got to you know wh- whether I agree with lots of things that David Sullivan has says and whether my personal experiences of him aren't always the ones that I care to look back on the most favourably mm. yeah let's have it right well go on give him credit you've got to give him credit he sells a player for 105 million quid he brings David Moyes back they get over the shambles of spending inordinate amounts of money under Pellegrini and finding themselves in a, in a, in a difficult position they've got a guy in there that's got a few quid that come along and probably take the football club there is a lot and, and it isn't just David if David is the key component that builds a team on the pitch but when you get success you've got to give it to everybody you've got to give it to Karen you've got to give it to David Sullivan you've got to give it to if David Gold God rest his soul was still here you'd have to give it to him too because it's right to do so because it's a because you don't get there on your own and if the only person you can point to in a room for your success is yourself in the end you're not going to be very successful some cracking games actually Sam when you look at that quarterfinal draw I mean Liverpool West Ham it's difficult to call that now I would suggest after West Ham were so impressive against like Arsenal last night I wouldn't have thought that's an easy call you wouldn't immediately go to Liverpool no it's not you a given not, not a given it's not a given but it, you, I mean you'd expect I, I would if I was asked to put a bet on it I would bet on Liverpool to win that game would you bet on Chelsea to beat Newcastle no no why would you no Everton Fulham um, hard to call. again hard to pick but nicely balanced games yeah and and one of Port Vale or Middlesbrough 
can look forward to a semi-final. Well, this is it. And Michael Carrick and whoever's yeah. at Portville. I mean, these are they, that's the romance of the Cup. That's the intrigue of the League Cup. It's the EFL Cup, so you want to see some teams in there that represent the other divisions and hopefully Rick Parry will hold the League Cup in situ or trade it off for a big bag of money and make it worth losing. But yeah. the point is... Yeah. is that you've got some cracking semi-finals there or quarter-finals and they've all got something on it because you can you think to yourself Newcastle could win a ch- ch- could win something here Pochettino could pull a little bit of a rabbit out of a hat and get Newcastle uh, sorry Chelsea out of the mix of conversation about not doing anything by getting to a major final after they've disposed of, of Newcastle in the quarter-finals and everyone will say hang on a second Newcastle ba- uh, Chelsea are back on the rise again yeah Liverpool it, you know, obviously, some great de- stories in there. You know, defending no, the Man United won last year, didn't they? Uh, Liverpool getting an opportunity to get an early trophy. All of it's got yeah. a load of intrigue in it. That's why this cup is worth something. Exactly, Andy Crosby to win it with Port Vale. I mean, you never know. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Simon, this uh, beggars belief, but anyway, we'll get to it. Dementia campaigners have described the PFA boss Maheta Malango's £150,000 pay rise Mm -hmm. as a slap in the face and branded the union morally bankrupt the the chief executive this man Malango I've met him a number of times he's a nice fella he replaced Gordon Taylor in 2021 has now seen his salary hiked to £650,000 with the PFA linking the increase to the cost of living crisis Taylor had been earning more than £2 million. he's gone yeah Malango started in five hundred grand, but he's now pocketing a backdated 30% uplift following what was effectively his first pay review. So he's gone from five hundred grand to £650,000. I wonder what pounds. the measurables were. I wonder what the determining factor was. Mm. I wonder what the judgment was, the KPIs of his job that had held that he was entitled to a 30% pay rise. I wonder what those measurables were. 
I mean, this. I mean, look, you're you're talking to the wrong person about the PFA because you know where I come from. Full stop. Ad infinitum. Since the day I first encountered them through Brendan Batson, disliked them intensely from that day forward, and I don't think they add any value whatsoever. They're more interested in, in creating division than they are providing solutions. Well, the the PFA for their part, I'm noticing we've had a response from them. You're going to hear from Nobby Styles' son, John Styles, in a moment. But the, the PFA say the reports regarding cost of living in relation to the CEO actually reflect the fact that the salary is benchmarked uh, against inflation figures. Um, oh, leave this, off. This we, is also the first salary review since Mahatma Malango came into the role two and a half years ago. Yeah, well, look, let's get it right. Go look at all the other union leaders around the country that are representing unions of far more significance in terms of their members that are actually funded by their members and see how many of them are getting paid 500, 650 grand a year. Right. They're getting nowhere near it. This is the la-la land of football, paying people far more money than they're entitled to. I think if you poll most players, um, with the exception I was uh, imagine of a few players that have had good experiences, most of them, Danny Murphy sits across the table and has nothing but the contempt and disdain for the PFA. I have contempt and disdain for them because I've dealt with them as a club owner and maybe that's my biased view. But I look at them as a union. That what, what the hell do football players need a union for? Yeah. And a union that clearly is being dragged kicking and screaming by people like Dawn Astle to deal with things, that's their fundamental responsibility. And this is the and, and to read the room and to even suggest that someone is entitled, yes, I know that because because it was so bad with Gordon Taylor and yeah. so obscene that the guy was getting a million and a half plus bonuses or whatever he was getting, that we all look at it now through a different set of eyes that we should be grateful for a union that contributes bugger all getting a salary which is three times what the average union in this country that represents tens and hundreds of thousands of people and workers. It's absurd, obscene, and completely reads the room wrong. So, and I, I'd love to know what the measurables are, Jim. Okay, well, Mahetta Malango's gone from 500 grand a year to, to 650,000 a year. Uh, John Stiles, his dad, was Nobby Stiles, uh, the England World Cup winner, Nobby, who died after suffering from dementia uh, in 2020. John Stiles has looked at this and he gave me his reaction this morning to Malango's £150,000 pay rise first. Astounded, really, Jim. Staggered. I suppose I shouldn't be. A 30% increase, and I think they've tried to say it's due to the cost of living crisis. I've never heard such nonsense. A 30% increase, £150,000 a year, and you've got families who are having to sell their homes, footballers, to take care of their, their loved one. Uh, it's just beyond belief for me, really, Jim. You've called it a slap in the face, John, to the families who have lost loved ones in the game to dementia. Why do you feel so strongly in that area, John? Basically, Jim, there's been no help for any of the families for forever, really. And they've set up a, a fund, uh, a PFA in the Premier League have set up a fund. This was promised for a long time. It's a million pounds, Jim. Let me put that in context. The Premier League gets three billion pounds a year. The PFA gets £25 million a year. The PFA charity, now the Players' Foundation, has £55 million in the bank. A million pounds won't take care of 10 families' health care for a year. There is well over 100 families who need help. That's how pathetic it is. It's just a gesture, and it's, it's pathetic, and it's an insult to all the players who, the players who've died with virtually no help. 
John, you'd acknowledge, though, that the PFA are addressing dementia uh, as an issue with the new Dementia Fund. They would argue that it's an area they're working hard on. Jim, he's been in the job for nearly two and a half years. This fund is just a pittance. It's virtually nothing, Jim. The primary function of a union is to take care of its members. That's And ex-players are still members. So all those players who've had no help the McNamee family having to sell the house, they won't apply for the new fund because it's only a million pounds. They don't want to deprive somebody else of the help that they may get because they've had to sell their dad's house and they've got some money. That's the sort of character of those people. But they've not looked after the players who've got poorly from heading the ball with the same disease as my dad. And they've not informed the current players of the risks. If you went into any changing room in the country and sat the players down and said, do you know what CTE is, lads? Chronic traumatic encephalopathy? or the women's teams, they'd say no, because they've not been informed. At least if they're informed, they can make their own decisions. They might not play head tennis, so they might reduce it in training. I wrote to all 92 league clubs, Jim, in November 2021, and the women's super league clubs. And I said that Professor Willie Stewart and myself would come and talk to the players and tell them the risks. We've not managed to get in anywhere. And as far as I'm aware, the PFA has not informed the players of the real risks that they face in heading the ball. If Willie Stewart's figures are correct, and I'm sure they are, 30 to 50% of the PFA union members will get dementia. That's how big a deal this is, Jim. John, the, the Gordon Taylor era has gone. The arrival of uh, Maheta Malango was said to be a fresh start that you and others were calling for. Do you see it that way? Absolutely not. Maheta Malango is non-elected. There was some controversy about the selection process. He's non-elected. And in his time that he's been there, nothing has changed. I hate to say this, Jim. Things may even be worse than they were. At least some people got help when Taylor was there. Nobody's been getting help. Now they're saying, oh, this fund is the, you know, it's the, it's the big deal. And it's not. It's a pittance. It's an insult. It's not a new PFA, Jim. It's the old PFA with new clothes on it. I'm just looking at John Styles, Simon, speaking to me earlier on. Yeah. I'm just looking at some uh, of the points that have been made in what's been called a PFA response uh, to us this morning. And basically what it comes down to is the PFA are saying, I'm just reading between the lines here, that they've reached out to John on multiple occasions and he's chosen not to engage with them. So whether that is true or not, and I've no reason to doubt it, but I, what I would add to that, Simon, is it's down to John, isn't it? It's down to yeah. John whether he wants because he's, yeah. he's clearly lost faith in them. Well, I mean, John's already told you in that conversation that he has tried to solicit or elicit support from the PFA to impart wisdom uh, that's meaningful to players about challenges that they may well experience in their football career that they need to be advised of. I mean, look, you're, again... You know, I, I'm the wrong audience. I'm the wrong participant in this conversation because I, I think they were duplicitous, disingenuous, divisive, you know, destructive, unproductive entity that I have virtually zero respect for. And it's not because I don't like unions, because my father was a union member uh, in the print industry. So it's not, I come from a background of having a trade union in my family. It's because I experienced these guys. This guy was supposed to come in off the back of the, I remember sitting on this show two or three years ago, arguing with Gordon Taylor, you know, Tamman Tongs about the ridiculous support mechanism they were providing around Riyad Mahrez. Because the only time you ever heard from the PFA was when something happened to one of their members. Never anything constructive. Go to COVID. Don't sign any waivers. Don't reduce your salary. 
salaries. Make those club owners pay your salaries. Nothing constructive. They've had two and a half years to polish this particular turd, and it still is what it is. And this guy, after two and a half years of being in this job, carries on the same message. You don't need to listen to me. Listen to the players. Listen to people like John Stiles that'll tell you. And what they'll do is they'll take low-hanging fruit. They'll debate with John Stiles. They won't come on here and debate the reasons why a guy that presides over a union that fundamentally has very little value and place in society, and even in this ridiculous world of football, on a £500,000 a year salary, and look at the union membership, look at the fees that they generate, look what they deploy the resources, what are the measurables for that kind of salary increase. They won't do that with people that can sit there and go, well, that's cobblers. Yeah. That's rubbish. Yeah. That's self-indulgent. What are you doing for your members? What are you doing in the very nature of getting 1% of the TV revenue use this union, whether it's their charity construct or whether it's the union itself, gets 1% of the broadcast revenues. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of money. That's 30-odd million pounds a year. And and where's it going? And they give out some paltry £1 million towards the the, the, the campaign that, that Judith is running. Um, and we talk about it and we go as if that's something that we should all be grateful for. You're 100% essential down. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Just gone at half 12. It is now officially Thursday lunchtime. This is Thursday, November the 2nd. And it's Jim White, Simon Jordan being a Thursday. Spencer Oliver in studio with us as well as we talk boxing. And I'm delighted to say that three becomes four because this fella has made it down from the Northwest. If you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, good afternoon. We're not just coming to you live in talk sport. We're coming to you live uh, on those platforms as well. So you can watch the show from the 17th floor of the news building as well as listen to it Jack Catterall has just strolled into the studio after easing to a unanimous points win over Jorge Linares in Liverpool just over a week ago Jack you're always welcome how are you sir yeah very well thank you very well uh, good to I... see you how, how did it work out for you that night it seems that you won and you won well this was a great performance against Linares yeah I felt like a cruise to a comfortable victory uh, three weight world champion uh, four world titles uh, so I was pleased with, with the fight. I'm always expecting more of myself, but a comfortable win, and uh, hopefully now we can push on to some big fights. What is the plan for you, Jack, Like sort of moving forward now? What is the roadmap, let's say, over the next 12 months? I mean, there's that controversial loss that you had to Josh Taylor, and we've got to bring that up, because I know it's a fight that you <laughs> are still chasing. We don't know where you're at with that. Is it a world title you're looking for? Is it a return with uh, Josh Taylor? I mean, where, where are you at? You know what it is, Spence? Uh, I've always dreamed and had aspirations of being a world champion, but... Uh, the fans are demanding the fight, um, constantly getting stopped in the streets still to this day. Uh, when is the fight happening? So I think it's a fight that still needs to be settled. But uh, aside from Taylor, there is a lot of big fights in the division for me. Mm. I mean, Simon, you, you was quite strong that you felt that Jack Catchell won that fight and won yeah. it quite comfortably. And we wanted to see well, the rematch, well, didn't of we? Course, of course, Jack won the fight. I think most people besides Josh recognise that. And I think probably in the deep, dark recesses of his mind, Josh recognises it. And that's why he gets so irritated and irritable whenever the conversation comes up. And that's why he's got the needle with me, because I pushed him into a corner last time round, saying, you're going to fight this kid again, right? You're not going to duck him. You're going to fight him this time. I know ducking is the word that you mustn't use in certain spaces and places. But notwithstanding that, I think that Josh Taylor going into that fight, and I thought rightly so to some extent, because of Jack's standing in the fight, uh, in, in the fight world at that particular time was very disdainful and contemptuous and you know, I saw the gloves are off and I saw the, the attitude and it was one of basically you're there to make up the numbers mm. and it was a very 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 different fight and it was a fight that you know I wish I watched it on television because I was in my bear at the time but I wish I'd been at because 
you felt strongly about it. Lots yeah. of people felt strongly about it. I think the only people that didn't feel strongly about it were top rank. And, some and of their the three fighters. judges, or two and judges. Three, and, of course, the three judges, yeah, yeah and two of the judges. Yeah. You still feel you won that fight fair and square, Jack? Yeah, I think, well, definitely, I, I believe won the fight, and I think everyone in the planet, apart from Josh, like we said, the, the judges are maybe top rank, but, yeah, I believe I won the fight. I you mean, get fed up talking about it. Yeah, it comes with the territory. Uh, naturally, people are going to speak about it still, and uh, it it seems still relevant to this day. Every interview, every fight night, people are bringing it up. So I think uh, I, I think you know where Josh Taylor's at is like what he achieved, and it sort of went unrecognised. Really, come, becoming undisputed lightweight champion, yeah. doing it on the road in the other guy's backyard, and he's you know his legacy is an incredible one, and he's going to be remembered for the fight that he had with Jack Catterall, and and so I think that he needs to go over that ground again. He needs to give Jack the opportunity because. You know, I think it will tarnish his legacy and he'll be, you know, some of those big fights and big do, wins do you think that he's it's had. more likely, given the fact that he's now lost to Teofimo Lopez, do you think it's more likely? Because everybody thought, I mean, obviously one of the things that Jack would have lost out on was the ability to have all the belts. Yeah. That's gone. That's never coming back again. Sure. Right? And that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and that's the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And the reasons why I was very disappointed with Josh Taylor is because of the controversy. And he can say, that one's done, I'll move on. But Carl Froch didn't mm. when the George Groves... I know that it got elevated, and I got elevated up to 90,000 or 80,000, whatever Carl tells us it is, 80,000 stadium at Wembley. But that one got sorted out. And we always knew that there was an element of Josh struggling at the weight and wanting to go up a weight class. But I do think in the pursuit of fairness and equity, which very rarely happens in sport, that this is one that has to be ticked off. I agree. I don't know if it goes the same way, Jack, honestly, because this time around he'd be a bit better prepared for you. But notwithstanding that, I still think it's a question that needs to be answered. Well, I think you've got to look properly. At, I think you also you've got to look at recent performances, and he hasn't looked particularly good since that fight, if I'm totally honest. Well, it's one fight, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would say he didn't he moved up to one four seven, didn't yeah. look particularly good. I know that he said that he was struggling at one forty. I think you agreed, didn't you, to do a catch weight maybe one That's three, what I thought, yeah. one four yeah. three, one so, four four or something like that. Last fight with Lopez again at one forty. He talked about moving up in the aftermath of our fight. Yeah, uh, that didn't happen. Eighteen months later, he's still at one forty. Yeah, uh, but I believe the move up in weight at a catch weight will benefit me just as much as it'll benefit Josh. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I do believe next time round it's going to be a big problem for him. And sure. deep down, Jack, you still feel that you won that fight on the night. I won that fight. No questions asked. Yeah, um, you and Taylor don't exactly see eye to eye, do you? I take you don't like him. No, listen, uh, it become personal after the fight. He said a lot of things, uh, a lot of direct messages. There's been a lot of back and forth. There's, uh, I don't hold stuff too personal in the sport of boxing. It's it's a business, but I, I guess with me and Taylor, it has become a bit personal. Uh, but aside from him, there is there is a lot of good fights to be made. Listen, yeah, there, there, is yeah there are. So if, it, so if it's not Taylor, who, who would you, in an ideal world, who would you want to... Ridiculous, but you've got Ryan Garcia, the winner of uh, Devin Haney, Regis Progre, uh, there's a bucket full of names. Mm. There's some big names out there. Terence Crawford floating around there as well. Another name. And do, do you do you feel yeah, you yeah, fit? Yeah, Listen, that, that's, yeah, where you, that's where you're yeah. aiming, though. Are you it? comfortable in that place. company, Jack? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think uh, I proved I belonged in that company, and I'm eager to get back to these big fights and, and prove not only to myself but to the rest of the people uh, these are the fights that I want to be and should be involved in. Yeah. In your division, Jack, it seems to me the Americans have got a hold on that division. Why is that? I guess that's just the landscape of, of where we're at right now. All the big fights uh, are in America. I mean, me and Taylor is is the only probably big domestic fight uh, for me and him over here. But 
I'm happy to travel to America. If these are where the fights are going to be, then put me on a plane. Have your team had conversations with, you know, um, with his team at all about, you know, making this fight happen again? Because I know you were in conversations. Then it sort of seemed to have gone away. He went and boxed here for, you know, Lopez. Where are you at with that right now? Is it is it a fight now that, you know, now he's been beaten again? Does he, does he fancy the fight? Do you know anything about that? Yeah, so my understanding is Eddie Hearns had uh, been speaking with top rank and it's something that's ongoing now. Uh, I believe I've got a fight in February, so uh, the, the discussions are ongoing and uh, I'll be ready for it. Sure, and if not, you just want to focus on getting that world title? Yeah, of course. Uh, we got knocked back for all the world titles, like uh, Simon said. Uh, that opportunity's gone, but uh, I'm 30 now. I feel good. I've not many miles on the clock, so I believe that the best fights are ahead of me and I'm, I'm confident I can get a world title. Yeah, I, I know, Simon, you, you're someone, you've you spoken to me about Jack before, and you rate this fella. You rate him highly. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to rate him off the back of the of the uh, the t Taylor performance because I didn't rate him as highly going into the fight, and I did think that Josh would deal with him, and he didn't. Um, and so we were wrong. I was wrong. I think you thought that uh, Josh Taylor Absolutely. would beat Jack. I think 99% we of the boxing and, world did. Yeah, and you have to look at that, and you have to stand back from it and say, okay, you know, I do think you sh he should have beaten... I do think where you are now, you should beat a 38-year-old Jorge Linares. And I do think that... I think we discussed it, that we yeah. felt that maybe you could have got him out of there. Um, and that was not necessarily a blot on the fight, because on, on paper, it looks like a good a good win. But this is a guy that's coming off the back of three or four losses coming into this fight, so it's one that you should win. And I'm very interested to see if Taylor doesn't happen, because there's a distinct possibility it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Josh is wherever he is, right? And 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 whether he wants to take this fight or not is a different matter. But you're you've got to plough your own trough, haven't you? You've got to create your own direction. So if you're if the Taylor fight doesn't happen, how do you see yourself? Now, this is a busy division. This yeah, is a division yeah. littered with big names and challenges and questions that are going to be asked of you because you're going up levels now, not just in terms of ability to get the economics right, but fighters and who they fought. So how would you like to go about it? If you, if Taylor gets parked and that, that, that scab never gets picked, right? what happens next? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not calling Josh a scab, by the way. <laughs> I've got to say, Jack, wasn't that You know what I mean. You know what I mean. What an image. I'm glad you corrected that, You know that, what mate. I mean. Yeah. Go on, Jack. Yeah, so, so for me, I'm ranked in, in all the governing bodies yeah. in the top 10, uh, currently holding the WBA international title. So it's about what fight puts me in that number one spot to challenge for a world title yeah. if there's an opportunity to fight for... So what's Eddie saying? Because, I mean, Eddie signed you. What's he saying about it? Yes, because so, ultimately Ben was looking, you know, slightly dismayed about that situation. Yes, yeah, so we're on fight number three now with Eddie, uh, and I'm on the promise that it can deliver me a yeah. big fight, whether that's a world title fight, a rematch with Taylor. Uh, so I am confident they will mm. deliver. I mean, they, they are like, they're pound for pound stars in your weight division. All, all the guys are sort of like in the pound, they're pound for pound stars, aren't they? But Eddie, I know, has got his hand in with a lot of those, Devin Haney, etc. So. It is possible that he can make those fights, but like you say, you're going in with not just like regular world champions, but pound for pound stars, aren't you? Yeah, of course. We've got Haney Regis, December the 9th. Yeah. That'll be a fight I'll be keeping a close eye on. Uh, we almost had a deal done with Regis uh, earlier on this year and back in the last year. Uh, for whatever reason, we couldn't get that, that over the line, but that's a fight that I love as well. I've been to a couple of his fights and again, I just I want a need and I want that opportunity to prove that I can mix it and I can beat these guys. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.